Well, we did make a gumbo to go there, so y'all uh, kind of missed the gumbo. <laughs> Kevin don't like to miss too many meals, no brother. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, it's a blessing to see everybody today, and I'm glad to get into the Word of God. I want to welcome everybody in on Skype. Uh, I see everybody there. Ronaldo, I see you. And uh, there's, um, there's, our, there's our brother Jonathan and Matt. Matt, good morning. Good to see you. Seth is there. Praise the Lord. Uh, Wesley. Brandon, uh, George, big George is here today. George, you, you're getting ready to get an operation, right, brother? Aren't you, aren't you undergoing some kind of operation soon? Yeah, I'm just miserable. I got it. Uh, the operation happened, but uh, tomorrow they're going to take out these stints in my nose. And, uh, okay. I can't oh. wait. Oh, I'm brother. This, you know, yeah, amen. Going. You look good, brother. You usually get black eyes when you get that, but you don't have any black eyes. Uh, no, I didn't get the black eyes. Uh, just a lot of uh, a lot of tissues out the war. And, uh, oh, wow, yeah. A lot of drainage. Yeah. I don't really want to talk about it. Yeah, it's yeah. Disgusting. But thank goodness <laughs> that this is uh, the last day. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't you just love George? George, we love you so much, brother. You're such a blessing. And, uh, and even in a time of struggle, like right now, I couldn't even see the whole time because I'm running to the bathroom with all these tissues, you know. Uh, I just love to come back because I know God is good. Amen. The fellowship here is amazing and it's beautiful. So. Praise God. You're, you're a blessing, George. You're a real blessing. We're so glad when you come in. Thank the Lord and all of you. Hello, Brother Eric. I see Brother Eric on there. Good morning, Eric. God bless you. Uh, See Brother Chris on there. Good morning, Brother Chris. What a blessing. Did I leave out anybody, Cedric? Is that pretty much it? Uh, what a blessing to have all those brethren. And of course, all of you guys. What, what a blessing to see everybody this morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Good to see everyone. Amen. Um, anything on, any prayer requests we want to start with? Anybody have any prayer requests? Sister Linda? Amen. We were, we've been out of fellowship for about a year, and I'm so, so grateful. Thank you, Lord. You're well worth everything, my sister. We love you. You're a jewel. <laughs> it took you nose. You're a jewel. <laughs> Amen. So thank you for being here, and it's well worth it. And uh, it's actually easier easier on a lot of people. You know, Larry and Terry getting kind of old, and they had a birthday this week, and uh, so they might have trouble getting up the stairs. You know, we we, we needed to have downstairs for them too. Also, you know, they getting on up there. Of course, they're not as old as me yet, right, guys? <laughs> me and Tookie are the oldest, I think. I took. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. Ben, it's good to see you this morning, brother. God, God bless you. Uh, any, any prayer requests? I'm going to be going to Texas um, Thursday morning through Sunday, and I just ask that God just use me um, to, to minister to my son and Amen. mother and just a fruitful trip. Amen. Amen. Trip. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Good, good request. You going back to the doctor when? Yeah. On the twenty fifth. Twenty fifth. Okay. How's it, how's it, you feeling good? No, yeah. No, no irritation yet. I don't feel it at all. Praise the Lord. Praise God. That's a blessing. We believe that with Him. Hallelujah. We agree that with Him. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
uh, Brother Seth. Hello, Brother Seth. How you doing, my brother? Hey, good morning. <laughs> good morning, Seth. God bless you. Ben Widener uh, that you talked to the other day from Durham. Yes, sir. Uh, he has a prayer request. He couldn't meet with us this morning, he said, uh, but he did ask for prayer. He wants to be more serious with his speech, uh, just in general. Um, he struggles with, uh, I think, maybe uh, joking a lot to try to break tension in conversations and things like that, and he said that he... He would like prayer to be able to just be more serious Amen. and direct Amen. in his in his speech with people. That's that's a good request, and that, you know he said if we ask anything according to his will that he hears us and answers us, and and that's according to the will of God. So that's that's a good request. I expect that to be answered, and I don't know about you guys, but I always pray God just make me more bold. You know I just want to be able to speak and give me the words just to speak to be able to you know tell everybody about this about the kingdom of God. Tell everybody, warn everyone before it's too late. So that's, that's my, always my prayer as well. Praise the Lord. That, that, and Paul prayed that. He, says, he said, pray that I be, be bold and that God would give me doors of utterance. And he was the boldest man I ever knew, you know, for the gospel. You know, just really, really a bold man in the Lord. Uh, anyone else? That's the same prayer that I've basically been before the Lord about. Amen. Away foolishness from you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's been a blessing to have Kelly with us. Uh, move down and... Uh, and, and it's what a what a wonderful blessing the Lord gave us, life, Kelly, and and uh, I think it's made a, a, a dip, big difference in your life as well, Kelly. You know, <laughs> Amen. Thank the Lord, an and thank uh, thank you, Larry and Terry, for having him there at your home. Praise the Lord and helping him yeah. helping him through that. I appreciate that. Praise God. Uh, any other any other request? Okay, um, Father Father, we just lift up these uh, requests to you, Lord. Um, as Ben requested, both Bens made requests, Lord, Ben Smith and, and, and Ben also, that, uh, Lord, you would meet their need, that you would uh, answer their prayer. You said um, to let your request be made known before God with all prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So, Lord, we lift that up to you, Lord, that, that you would even prepare uh, uh, Ben's child, uh, that, that right now, God, uh, uh, Dylan would start his mind would just be open. I know that we heard some good things out of him not long ago. Ben showed us the text, Lord, but that you would prepare his heart, God, yes. and that he would prepare his heart for his dad, that Lord Jesus, uh, that he would respect what he did, his dad has to say, and that it was something that Ben would say would touch his life and also his mother's life, God, as he goes down there. And that every, everywhere Ben would go as he travels, Lord, that you would use him, that he would be a, a mouthpiece and be bold and, and trumpet out, Lord, the words, God, that you would have him to speak wherever he's at, God. Let that anointing continue with him, Lord, as he goes. And, Lord, we lift up the other Ben also, Lord Jesus, that you would cause him to be really bold and, and, and to do away with any kind of foolish jesting, Father, that he would uh, stop that and that he would be serious because the uh, people that we meet, Lord, they need to see that we're serious about the things of God. And when there's joking and stuff going on, then they may take what we say as a joke. And it's no joke. It's a very serious issue. Uh, that's why the scripture tells us, Lord, to be sober-minded. I know, Lord, and uh, you were very sober-minded and you spoke the truth. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. Um, every one of these requests, God, that were made, we lift up a uh, Tookie, God, that he gets a good report when he goes to the doctor on the 25th, Lord, that his eye, the cancer, would be completely gone, Father. Lord, we lift that up to, to, to you, Lord. And we know that you hear us when we ask, God, because we do obey your commandments, God, and walk in your ways. Thank you, Father. Thank you for all that you're doing here and every 
request. Thank you for that uh, wonderful testimony that Sister Linda gave of her um, rejoicing and appreciation and joy of being here with us. What a, what a tremendous miracle, God, that any of us are here. Thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you for this time with Laura. As she came, God, I, I pray this was a blessing to her and that she's been edified and that we'll walk uh, in complete victory from here on out, God. Uh, Lord, that she'll do whatever it takes, Lord Jesus, to to walk this out, Lord, that, um, that losing everything, what, whatever. Paul said he suffered the loss of all things for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, as we walk through this. Today, together, I pray for the people of God. Every one of my brothers and sisters that are on this morning on YouTube, on Skype, uh, here, here at the, uh, the house, that their lives, God, would be blessed with the truth, that they would be bold to speak it, that they would encourage one another daily, as the scripture says, exhort one another daily, and it wouldn't be a once a week thing, but it would be every day they talking to brethren, they, they exhorting one another. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the goodness that you've shown us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We are the body of Christ. I know I say it often, but it bears repeating. We're the body of Christ. It's made up of many members. Uh, the head of us is Jesus. And because Jesus is the head of the body, we submit ourselves to the words of Jesus. Scripture says in John chapter 12 that the very words that Jesus spoke will judge us in the last days. And I want you always, and while I'm on that, I just want to say something about that. I want you always to always be attentive to God's word just the way it's written. Don't, early on in my life, I, I was tossed to and fro by a lot of different winds of doctrine because a lot of times people would come to me and they say, well, I'd read the scripture and they say, well, that doesn't really mean that. It means something else. And so I would kind of follow people on that because I thought they were more educated or smarter than me. Or maybe they said they knew Greek or Hebrew and it, it meant something totally different. And there's some, there's some validity in some of that. But, but really, if you'll just, Jesus, Jesus made the gospel of worth to God for the simple. He, he said, there's not many wise called, not many prudent, not many brilliant. So this is not something that you follow somebody because of their intelligence. Maybe that's why God put me here, because I wasn't that intelligent. But, uh, but, but, he, but, but, but I want you to always remember that. Because God continued, like, he'd always bring me back to that. No, just listen to my word. Just see my word in its simplicity and obey it and walk in it. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's every word from Genesis to Revelation. So we live by those words that God, God gave us and, and we walk in that and, and we're not moved in that. Praise the Lord. Um, so, but as I'm, as I'm going and talking about that, I, I, I almost say that as a warning because I'm very, I want to be very careful with the word of God. I'm, I'm here ministering and I'm going to be judged for every word that I speak to you. You know, the Bible says, by your words, you'll be, you'll be justified, or by your words, you'll be condemned. So I'm very careful that I speak the word of God to you, and I don't say, well, it doesn't, well, it doesn't mean this. It means something else. I, I, I want to share it with you, and, and you look at it yourself and receive the word. He said, to receive the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. And, and you want to stay with that. So when somebody starts telling you, no, it don't mean that. It means this, and something like this. And, and what do you, what's happening there? You're really being told, listen, don't worry about what you're reading here. Those translators, those things, they didn't do it right. But trust me, because I know Greek or Hebrew, or I studied a lot. Trust me, so that, so that, and I'll tell you the truth. I had a preacher one time. I'm just going to share the story. I may have shared it with you before. Years ago, Jill and I, well, years ago, I don't, know if, I don't know if you were with me. Yeah, you were with me then. Jill and I were going to a church in, in Santa Monica, California. 
and it was called, it was a four square church, and the preacher's name was Bob Mallard, and um, he he got up in front and he would preach, and when he would preach, he would encourage us to read our Bibles, which was good, you know, read your Bible, and so I would read my Bible and read the text that he was preaching, and I said. I said, I went home and read my Bible, and it doesn't say what you're saying. And, and he says, well, in the Greek, it means this and says this and all this. And, he, and I, I said, oh, okay, okay. So I went back and sat down. Next week, he preached again. And I went back up to him. I said, well, here my Bible, it says this. He says, no, it doesn't really mean that in the Greek, it's this and this. I finally, I finally got frustrated after a few weeks. And I said, why do, you, why do I even read my Bible? Because most everything in it that I'm reading, you're telling me it means something different than what it says. Yeah. You know what he said? He said, you're just going to have to trust me. <laughs> what? Honest, honestly, he said, you're just going to have to trust me because you don't understand Greek and Hebrew. You're going to have to trust what I do. I told him, I started saying, before I trust you, I'm going back to the Catholic Church. I'm going to go to the Pope because he knows a whole lot more Greek and Hebrew than you do. <laughs> You know, but, but, that's, that, but some people, he was, he was blatant enough to say it. Some people won't say it. They'll just say, well, I know Greek, and I've studied Greek, and, and I know this, and I know Hebrew, and they'll just say it, and this is what it really means. Man, don't buy into that. Stay with the Word of God. Now, there are translations, newer translations, that do have things that, that can be off somewhat, but you, that's why I stick with the King James, an older translation that's more close to, the, it comes from the majority text. It's not from the, there was some corruption that went through because the majority text means that they took the majority of the manuscripts and they combined those to make sure they all match and everything said the same thing. And that's why they put these books in the Bible. Some of you have heard of books in the Bible like Sirach, Maccabees, Book of Thomas, Book of Enoch, these all. In, in the Catholic Bibles, you'll see they have those in there. Remember that? But, but in these, they don't because they, because they didn't have enough validity to it in the original manuscripts to verify itself. Matter of fact, there was a group, there was a, there was a text out of Alexandria, Egypt, that, was, that they considered a corrupt text, and they kicked it out. And, and, and so they only used the majority of the text that matched to come up with, with, with the New Testament, with the New and Old Testament. And, then, um, and so, so what's happened though in the past years is a fellow by the name of Westcott and Hort, those fellows, they came up and translated again the scriptures, but they, used, they didn't use the majority text. They used the Alexandrian text, the very one that was corrupted to, to translate to, the new, to these new Bibles. So a lot of new Bibles like NIV and some of these Bibles are translated from the Alexandrian text. They're not translated from the majority text. That's something important to know. So you want to stick, stick with things that, are, that come from the majority that verified itself. And that's the only danger there so that you, you, you can do that. But, if you, but I use some of those because sometimes they get, some things are right. So I look at different translations to get sometimes a broader meaning of what, what is said. But, but anyway, I just wanted to throw that in. But um, just sharing that, I, I was going on about the body of Christ. Christ is the head. So we... We obey Christ. We obey him. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? We listen to him. He said, the very words that I speak, you shall be judged in the last day. But you are members of the body of Christ. Yes. Each one, very, very important to, to me, to each other. I need you in my life. That's why we fellowship together. And I enjoy that. That's why we, we have people on Skype, because we come together as a church. The scripture says in, in Hebrews 10, 25, it says, to not forsake the assembling together of yourselves as the manner of some is, but exhort one another daily, he says in, in Hebrews chapter 3. So we're here to exhort one another. We're here to encourage one another. We're here to fellowship one another. And we need to hear from one another. 
so that we really have fellowship. It's not a one-man show where I just get up here and preach to you and you just come here and then you leave like everywhere else they do. This is not the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it's supposed to be, where you guys are actually participating and we're, we're you, because you have a, one man has a revelation. One man has a word of knowledge. One man has heaven. And, and the body has to function as a body. So we want it, we want to hear from you. You might have you, you, you probably you may have, you may probably have some things that I don't I don't know I have. I want to hear that. Okay, praise the Lord. Saying that, I want to say that does anybody have something? I always want to open up because we we're we're here to minister to those that have need or or to, that you can add something to the body. So do you have something that you can add to the body this morning? Or if you have a question, or if you have a comment or a revelation. Anybody, I want to open that up first before we start. Anybody have something on their heart for this morning? Praise the Lord. Ben, you don't speak up as much. <laughs> Praise God. I miss that, Ben. That's good. That's, that's really good. It's good. It, it, and it's amazing, Ben. You know, a lot of people read through the first part of Galatians and they think, well, you know, like in Galatians 3, they think, well, I'm, I'm not under the law. I can do whatever I want to do and I'm free to do whatever I want. And they, they look at it that way. But then when you get to chapter 5, you're like, man, they think, oh, well, that, is that, we need to tear chapter 5 out. Because chapter 5 is, is saying that if I do these things, I'll, I won't inherit the kingdom of God. I had a person the other day. It told me um, in, in Galatia, in actually similar to those things, because Paul writes here and he says, these are things that I told you before and I'm telling you again. Uh, and these are the works of the flesh. So you know if you're walking in the flesh, you're certainly not walking in the spirit. You know, that's one way to know you, you're not walking in the spirit is if you're walking in the flesh. If you're going around doing the things that, that, that you want to do are just uh, uh, things that are not permissible by the Lord. But they, they told me, they said um, uh, that, in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, it says that, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 
They said, well, uh, and then it makes a list there. It's just like you did in Galatians 5.19. It says, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor sorcerers. And it makes that list, Kevin. And they said, well, that does not apply to me. It does not apply to me. And I said, well, why not? They said, because I, I'm righteous. I'm not unrighteous. I said, well, how do you figure you're righteous? Because, because I received the gift of righteousness from God. And, and I'm righteous because of what Jesus did by accepting him as my Savior and asking him to forgive me. Now I have his righteousness on me. So therefore, when it says, know you not that the unrighteous shall not, not inherit the kingdom of God, that's talking about other people that, that haven't done that. You, 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 get what I'm, you get what I'm saying? And, 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 but the scripture says, did you memorize that scripture, Laura? <laughs> what does the scripture say in 1 John chapter 3? Verse seven, verse seven. What does it say? Little children, do not be deceived. Good. He he that does. He that does righteousness is righteous. He that does not do righteousness. Even as, even as God is righteous. That's right. Amen. That's good, very good. And he that is unrighteous is of the devil. And that's the deception is people thinking that they are righteous. Because they received righteousness from God. And I don't even argue with about if they received it. I say, okay, you say you received righteousness from God? Let me give you the scripture that Laura just read. It said, he, only he that does righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. So if you're not doing righteousness, you didn't receive a gift from God of righteousness. Because it says if you have it, you're going to be doing it. And you're not doing it. So you ask, guess what? You fit in that category in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 where it says, No, you're not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You fit there. That scripture you're saying is not written for you. It's written for the ver very person of you because you're, 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 you're not doing what 1 John chapter 3, verse 7 and, 8, 7 and 8 says. And he says, he that sins is of the devil. So, so that was a point. I want to add to what he said. So he cleared okay. us up for some people that aren't aware of it. The scripture says in Galatians 5.24 that all that are Christians have crucified the flesh with the passions, desires, and, and lust thereof. If that's the case, some people, they may think, well, why am I still getting these desirous temptations or these desirous thoughts if I've already crucified? So if I've already crucified my flesh with these desires, why am I getting tempted with the same desires? Have these desires really have left? Have I really crucified these desires if these desires are still coming up? You know, could you expound on that? Because somebody could really think, well, I really had to crucify the desires then because I'm seemingly still feeling the same way. And they can condemn themselves thinking that they really haven't crucified the flesh, or really they probably have, but now the enemy's playing tricks on them thinking that they really haven't. Okay, that's, good. that's a good point, and a very, very well taken point, because the enemy, uh, turn with me to Revelation. Um, chapter 12. And... Um, Verse 7. Revelation 12, 7. It says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought against his angels. And prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan. So the dragon is the devil, okay? It's Satan. 
And it says there's, there's war. There was war going on between Michael and his archangel and the devil and his, and his angels. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation, strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which has accused them before our God day and night. So there's an accuser of the brethren that will accuse you day and night. Now, sometimes it, it, sometimes a person needs to be accused if they're walking in unrighteousness. They need to see the truth. But sometimes the enemy will accuse you for doing something wrong, even when you didn't do anything wrong. Because he wants you to, he wants you to think that you're really not in that place that you need to be in. Jesus, the devil did the same thing with Jesus. Uh, and, and if you'll turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 4. By the way, it says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and we love not their lives to death. Uh, Luke chapter 4 says here, verse 1, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. Now the Bible says that Jesus was tempted by the devil here. Matter of fact, if you go to Hebrews chapter 4, it says that Jesus was tempted just like we are in all points, yet he didn't sin. He said that he was of the same flesh and blood that we are. Now people say, well, the reason I sin is because it is flesh. Well, Jesus didn't sin, and he had the same flesh and blood, it says in Hebrews chapter 2. So, as a matter of fact, he said he was born of the seed of Abraham. So some people say, well, well, he didn't have man's a part in him. The Bible says he was born of the seed of Abraham in Hebrews chapter 2. Yet he was tempted to secure us who are tempted. Hallelujah. So he helps us in our infirmities, the Bible says. The scripture says that no, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, a very important scripture, says that no temptation has taken you, but such is this common to man. In other words, sometimes somebody can think, well, this is a unique situation I have. It's only me that's being tempted like this. No, he tempts all. And you don't, you don't ever get where you're not tempted. What is temptation? Temptation, the Bible says, says that every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own desire. And when the desire is conceived, in other words, it takes, then it brings forth death. Brings forth sin, and sin brings forth death. Amen? So the temptation is something that draws you. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a desire. And everyone has these things even built into their body. Your body desires certain things. It's not a sin nature. And also we, we had desires that we, natures that we created in our own selves because we went into sin and through habitual sin, we created desires and addictions before that we came to Christ that, that were there and, we, and, and you deal with. Uh, but, but, but here in Luke 4, Jesus himself is being tempted. It says he was full of the Spirit, but he was led by the Spirit. Some people think, well, I must be outside of God if I'm being tempted. The Bible says Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. So you can be led by the Spirit and the devil can come tempt you and test you to see where you're at. And temptation and testing are very similar in the Scripture. They basically almost mean the same thing, if not the same. And the devil, but, but for 40, and it says, being, verse 2, being 40 days tempted of the devil, in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward what? Hungered. Hungered. He felt hunger. He felt that suffering of hunger. He felt a desire to eat because he was hungry. 
Okay? He felt those things. We feel things when we, when we go through things. We feel temptations to want something. Okay? And some are permissible and some are not permissible. And he says, and, he's, and the devil said to him, look at what it says, if you be the son of God. What did the devil do there? He's trying to put a thought there, if you're really a Christian, is what he would add it to you. You wouldn't be doing this, or you should do this, you see. He says, if you be the son of God, command these stone, this stone that it be made bread. And, the and Jesus answered, saying, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Hallelujah. Live by every word of God. That's what we live by. Jesus didn't want to do anything that the Father didn't have him to do first. The Father didn't speak through him. Hey, Wes, good morning. You look nice in that red shirt. Come on, brother. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't know if you're going to keep going on, uh, on Luke chapter 4. But to go along with uh, with Cedric's question, even verse 13 kind of gives you an understanding of, of Luke 4. It says, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed until an opportune time. So even with Jesus, if Jesus, you know, Jesus never had to crucify the flesh with his passions and desires. His passions and the desires were always crucified. So obviously you see the narrative of him being tempted, tested. But and also, the devil leaves him, and then he's still going to come back when there's an opportune time. When what? Like when he's hungry, then obviously he knows, hey, this would be a good temptation because his desire is for food. And this goes all the way back to what I said, you know, one of our last meetings in regards to, uh, you know, people would think that even in the garden there was not this desire. But clearly it says... That the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when he told, when God told Adam and Eve not to eat of it, because when you eat of it, you will surely die. That when the devil came to Eve, she saw that the tree was was good for food, that it was desirable to make one wise. So there, there's desire. It's desirable to make one wise, and we know that the garden was a perfect environment. We know that even the garden of Eden, Eden means pleasure. So there's a garden of pleasure. God gives us pleasure. He's, he's given us richly all things to enjoy, just not the things that he says don't do this. So desire in and of itself, even in the garden, it was there. Clearly was there. Desire was there, to, you know, because Eve was made good. God, Adam was made good. You know, very good everything was made by God. There was nothing that God made that was like evil. God doesn't, God isn't tempted by evil, nor does he tempt any man. So everything in the garden, in essence, that God created was good, other than God didn't make robots, and he made man to where he could make a decision of himself. So the tree was desirable to make one wise. She saw that it was good for food, so the, 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 the desire of the eye was there, but it depends on what are you going to do with that, and obviously they chose unwisely by taking it and eating it, but desire was there, and so desire in and of itself, like you're saying, Don, is not sin. It, 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 it can't be, otherwise, then God created stuff that wasn't good in the garden. Amen. Amen. Let's go back to that uh, while Wes went there, because I was going there too, Wes. Let's go to back to Genesis chapter 3. Yeah, Don, you had something? Right. It doesn't say that. 
Right, that's right. So, um, you know, until she was tempted, it doesn't say that she had a desire. Right, right. And that's what we're going to read. You're right. You're, that's a good, good point. Actually right. Correct. Thank you, Don. Go to Genesis 3. This is when the serpent, in, in, in the way the, the, the devil used him, the serpent. Um, it, it talks about here in Genesis chapter 3, it says the serpent was, was more subtle than all the beasts of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he came and he, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11 says that, hold your place in Genesis 3 and go to G, 1 Corinthians 11 too, because 11 also because it, it kind of goes with this. 1 Corinthians 11. I'm sorry, I, I was mistaken. Second Corinthians 11. Second Corinthians 11. Verse 1. And hold your place in Genesis 3. First Corinthians 11. Would to God you could bear with me in a little folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. You know, you know God is jealous for you. He wants you for himself. Okay, he wants you to walk with him and, and he wants to bless you. He's jealous for you. He will not share you with another. For I have, I have espoused or engaged you or promised you to one husband. Who that? Jesus, right? He said, I've engaged you to one husband, to Jesus. That I may present you as chaste virgins to Christ. That was what Paul wanted to do. That every one of them that he talked to would come that it would be at that place where they virgins that means, what he means by that is that you're, 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 you're cleaned up from the world. You're no longer unclean. That you're walking in holiness. That you're a virgin. Because you see, when you come to Jesus and you repent and turn from your sin, he washes the sins away. You're clean as, as though you'd never done it. So you're a virgin. And he says, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So he says, for, for if, if he that comes to you preaches another Jesus whom, you have not, whom we have not preached, or you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might wear bear with him. For I, suppo I suppose I was not a, a, a wit behind on the very, chiefest of the, and the very chiefest of the apostles. So here he's saying, he said, I don't want your minds to be corrupted like Eve's was corrupted through the subtlety of the devil, through the trickiness of the devil. So here we go back to Genesis 3 and we see how the devil is, is, is beguiling or tricking Eve and see what happens to her here. And so the devil begins to have conversation uh, with Eve. That was her first mistake. That, and that's your first mistake. If you start having dialogue with the devil, then, that's, then you, you, you're opening up the door. You don't have dialogue with the devil. You resist the devil is what the Bible says. So she began to have dialogue with the devil and, um, and, and, of course, the devil begins to ask her what God told her. What was she not supposed to do? And she begins to explain that we're, we can eat all the fruit of all the trees. But he said, don't eat or touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden. He never said not touch it, but he said, don't eat it. Look at verse 4. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. Now, that is, that is so strong. Because what is the devil doing? He's lying. The Bible calls him the father of all lies. He's lying. He's telling her that, 
the opposite of what God told her. He's telling her she can eat of it and won't die. The Lord said, if you eat of it, you will die. A lot of people will tell you stuff to you. They'll say, well, you know, I believe such and such. And you're going to tell them, well, the Bible says such and such. Well, I just believe this. Okay, well, should I believe you or should I believe God? Should I believe God's word or should I just take your word for it? I'm going to believe what God's word says, Kevin. And so here he says, says he's telling her, you're not going to die. What does she do? She actually ends up believing him. He says, for God knows that if you eat it, eat it your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be as gods knowing good and evil. Oh, she said, that sounds good. I want to be like a god. You know, and, and so and when the woman saw that the tree was good for fruit, for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, Don, that's where she's tempted. Okay, right there. Yeah. Then she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. Now, was the sin when she looked at it and saw it was that it was one, that it looked desirable? We're going to find that out. But she took the fruit there and did eat and gave unto her husband with her and he did eat. Followed the woman, followed his wife. And the eyes of them both were opened. What, when were their eyes opened? When they desired it or when they ate it? That's right. And they knew that they were naked. They never knew they were naked before. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife to hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam. Adam, he said unto him. Where are you, Adam? God knew where he was. But he asked him, where are you? He wanted him to answer. <laughs> and he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid. I was like, why are you afraid? I'm, I'm in the garden all the time with you. Because I was naked. And the Lord said to him, who told you that you're naked? There wasn't nobody else there but his wife to tell him, right? That's what animals talk to, maybe. Well, they obviously did. Maybe a serpent told him, oh, you're naked, you're naked now. Hast thou eaten of the tree? Why did he ask him, have you eaten of the tree? Yeah, because he, had, because they knew, he knew once they ate of the tree, they would have sinned, they would sin and they would die. Spiritually die. Where have I commanded, where, have you eaten of the tree that I commanded you that you should not eat? Now the Lord commands us throughout the scriptures what to do and what not to do. We are no different than Adam and Eve in that if we, eat, if we disobey God, then we what? will surely die. It has not changed. But I wanted to, to bring this out to note that here. That the, that the sin didn't actually take place, the death didn't actually place, take place until they actually took of the fruit and ate it, okay? But the accuser of the brethren will accuse you of many things that are not right. So the sin took place. Now, I, I want to, um, go ahead, Eric. Uh, I hit my button this time so I should oh you, you're good you're getting really good at this Eric <laughs> <laughs> so this is and it boils down to our favorite uh, chapter and book some with some of us Romans 6 yeah. verse 16 know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey his servants ye are to whom you obey whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness but God be thanked 
that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Your brain is really complicated. It's got a lot of files up there, a lot of history and past. But once you've decided from the heart to crucify that flesh, Amen. you now, when faced with temptation, you yield to God's will. Amen. Always. Amen. You know it. It's right in front of you. You put it to death. It's gone. It's done. Those files are, like Don, Brother Don says, darts. Come at you. Amen. The files are there. Amen. Knock it down when it comes up. Who do you love? We love God. Amen. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Uh, and and, and this, that was a really good question, because uh, Cedric, because this week I had someone come to me, and they said, man, I, 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 and I think a lot of people struggle with this, that come into the faith, uh, they think if they get a bad thought, that their heart is not right with God. And they, they, they're fooling themselves, and they're, they're not righteous. And even people that are against the truth, will come at you and try to make you feel that you're in sin when you're not in sin. Why? Because it can condemn you and it can get you where you back where you go back and you fall right back in the same trap again and you start sinning and excusing that sin. We we all subject to temptation of things that come to our mind. Now the difference that I see is that the Bible says in the book of Mark chapter 7 he says, it's not that what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but it's that which comes out of the mouth, this defiles the man. So if I got ugliness coming out of my mouth, you know, if I got filth any, or, or, or my words are not edifying, or I got curse words, or I'm, or I'm saying things, or I'm gossiping about my, whatever it might be, something coming out of my mouth, then I know it's coming from my heart. And, and then that tells me that my heart's not right with God, and it defiles you. Uh, now, there's a list of things that come from your heart that he talks about. And one of the things is um, evil thoughts, right? Is that one of the lists in Mark chapter 7? The fornications, evil thoughts, those that. So somebody thinks, well, if I get a thought that's, that's evil, then that means my heart's not right. I'm lost. I need to repent. I need to get where I don't have any thoughts that, that come to my mind, and, and then, I'll, then I'll be right with God. Yeah. It's one thing when you have evil thoughts and you begin to move into that like the world does. When you were in the world, you had a heart that was corrupt. So when those evil thoughts came, if you were, they, they just go get the porn magazine and look at it. They just go, go, go find somebody. Whatever it might be, they go do or go oh gossip. They, they just, they conceive the sin. The difference is with you, the enemy is your enemy. He is your adversary. Understand that. A temptation is not a temptation if, if it does not come at you with some thought to put some kind, to try to put a desire in you to conceive that thought and begin to act it out. It's not a temptation at all if it's not. Um, Abraham, the Bible says in, in Genesis uh, chapter, uh, go, go Genesis chapter 21, I think it is. We're going to go from Genesis to Revelation today. So, so sit back. Genesis chapter 21, and it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now we can see in the scriptures in James 1 that God tempteth no man, neither, does, neither can he be tempted by evil. But here it's saying that God did tempt Abraham. 
the word tempt can be used two different ways in the scripture. It can be used tempt or test, okay? And also, the Lord himself does not tempt them. He allows the devil to tempt you. The devil is the tempter, not God. It's the devil that tempts you. He's the tempter. He's the one, but like it says in Matthew chapter 5, to agree with your adversary, if a person is in the wrong way, which is the Holy Spirit, while you're in the way, lest he deliver you to, to the judge, and the judge deliver you to the officer. The officer that executes the, the, the temptation or executes the thing is the devil. He's the one. So, but, but just taking it from here, it says that God told Abraham here, now Abraham has been waiting all his life for, his, for, for this son. Excuse me, Genesis chapter 20, 22. 22. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know I said 21, but I'm sorry. It's 22. Just seeing if you knew where to go. <laughs> Genesis 22. It, it, it says here that Abraham had been waiting for a son. It was a promised son. It was the only son that was by promise for Abraham. He'd been waiting. And here he is, 90, 99, 100 years old. His wife's in their 90s. They're both too old to have children. Uh, took you by old standards. They, they're too old. But he, was, he, was, he believed God. What a great man of faith. He's called the father of faith in the scriptures. Because he, he always believed God. No matter what the circumstances looked like, he believed God. And that's the way God wants all of us to do. No matter what the circumstances look like, believe God. That's all you're called to do. I don't care if you don't even see what you're asking for. Keep believing. Because that's what you're called to do. But he, but he, gets, he finally gets his son, his only son. And the, the Lord comes to him, God says to him, I want you to take your only son, the one that you really love, he says here. I want you to take Isaac, whom you love, and get to the Mount Moriah, and I want you to offer him up to me. Kill him. So this is, what you're saying is this is the only time that God tempted? No, God really, God's way, God didn't tempt him himself. God allowed the enemy to tempt him. Okay, so that's what, it's, that's what it really means, or, test, or tested him, okay? No, God, God did that many times. He allowed, he, God allows the devil to come to us. Remember, remember when, okay, remember, listen to this. My Bible says God did tempt I understand. Okay, listen to this. When, when Job, okay, remember Job? He, he told the devil, the devil was accusing uh, uh, Job, uh, the devil was accused of the brethren to God. The devil had come before God. And he said, and God told the devil, he says, have you considered my servant Job? He's perfect, he's upright, and he hates evil, he avoids evil. He's walking perfectly, righteously. And the devil said to the Lord, he said, well, he does it because you have a hedge around him. Remove the hedge from him and allow me to get to him, and then he'll curse you. He'll curse you. And, and uh, the Lord allowed it. The devil is the officer. Did the Lord tempt tip, uh, Job? The Lord didn't actually tempt him. The devil tempted him. God allowed it. So that was the, that was the allowance of that temptation. Okay? You understand that? Not really. I'm just reading what I'm just reading. It. Well, you can read it. You can, you can still believe it. But really the word tempt can mean test or tempt. Okay? So if you want to just say, well, the Lord tested him. Okay? The Lord tested him. Same thing. Okay, and that's okay. Just just go with that. That's fine. Okay, but but the point that I want to make is he said, take your only son, your only son that was born. That's right. See, so you have to. That, that's what you're balancing out. Well, how did how did he get tempted? Because the Bible says in James one, God tempts no man, neither can he be tempted by evil. That's why I was explaining what it meant by that. Okay.
Okay, but anyway, so, so he said, take your only son whom you love and offer him up. Now, you can imagine uh, Abraham there thinking, man, I don't want to give up my only son that I love. But look at, look at what he did. When God told him that, he didn't answer God. He didn't ask God any questions. He got up. The Bible says in verse 3, Abraham rose up early in the morning and he saddled the ass, the donkey, and he took the wood and took everything for the offering, got the knife. Everything went there. Then he ne and he never told anybody. He didn't even tell his son what he's doing. He didn't tell his wife what he's doing. He's going to offer his son. All are complete. Yeah. Tension or doing what God said to do. What obedience. That was the toughest thing that a person could do is offer his own son. And that's the only son he had. He gets there. He, he gets the wood. And, and the, the son asks him, well, well, we got the wood. And we got the, uh, got the knife. We got everything to make this offering, Dad. But where's the lamb? And he said, God will go provide himself a lamb. And he goes up there and he begins to take his son and he, and he, puts, he builds the altar and he lays him down on that altar to offer his son. And he takes the knife to kill his son and the angel of God stops him. He says, don't do it. And um, a matter of fact, it uh, says in chapter 22, Verse 13, and Abraham lifted up his eye. Well, it says, it's, no, the angel comes to him in verse 12. It says, lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, it was a ram, and he, he took it and he offered him up. But listen what the, in verse 15, and the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, by myself I have sworn, saith the Lord. Because you have done this thing and has not withheld your son, your only son, that in blessing I will bless you. And in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, as the sand which is upon the sea. And thy seed shall possess the gate of the enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations. That was speaking of Jesus. That was the seed. Remember he said in Hebrews 2. He said that he was of the seed of Abraham. And he says, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou has obeyed my voice. Hallelujah. Obedience. The Lord loves obedience. Oh, more than sacrifice, more than anything you can do. Don't think you can please God by just trying to do a bunch of things. He wants you to obey him. But you see that here that the enemy came and tempted him not to give his son up. But he didn't move. He didn't listen to that. He didn't entertain that idea that came to his mind. He just reacted and acted upon what God told him to do. He wasn't moved. Yeah, Hebrews 11 talks about that. Yeah, yeah, because God showed him in a vision after that. But God was so pleased, wasn't he? He said, because you've done this, I'm going to bless everything that you do. I'm going to bless your children. I'm going to bless. I'm going to make your seed like the seed of the stars of heaven. I'm going to bless you. And that's what the Lord does with you. When you walk in his obedience, he's pleased with you. He said, man, I want to bless Sister Linda. I want to bless Kevin because they're doing what I said to do. Amen. Praise the Lord. Wes? Yeah, I think uh, that's a lot of what we temptation and testing uh, testing obviously God sets before you life and death therefore choose life that you and your seed would be blessed so testing is with God testing somebody is with the intent like his whole intention behind testing them is to prove them faithful 
So his motive is for you to be victorious. So that would be God's part in testing. Now, temptation, which would be of the devil, was with the motive of drawing you away from God and choosing evil. So it, so whether the word temptation or testing are the same word, but it all de to determine what the meaning of that word is in its context has to do with the motive behind the word. And hopefully that clears that up for someone good. That, that doesn't understand. Thank you. To, to also go along with what you were talking about earlier about how uh, a lot of the false system wants to put sin in the flesh or that desire is sin. Um, the reason why they want to do this, and like somebody that's a Pharisee or that doesn't really want to be a doer of the word. They just want to be a hearer only and then feel like they're accepted by God. Well, if you go over to Matthew chapter 23, and, um, and, and you'll be able to see this clearly. Don and I did a video once on, you know, what's really the heart of a Pharisee. Because a lot of people would say that we're Pharisees, and just because we're saying that we're righteous. Well, if you just look at the context of how Jesus, you know, defined a Pharisee, you would actually be pretty shocked to see that it's most of the false system of the false church fits the bill of what a Pharisee really is. But in, um, in verse 3, uh, well, let's just start in verse 1. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and Pharisees said in Moses' seat, Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say, and they do not do. That's a characteristic of a Pharisee. They say something, but they actually don't do what they say. They're hypocrites, right? So, but verse 4 is, For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. So they're going to create all these different laws and try to put sin in the flesh, or try to put, say, the desire is sin, and put that on the shoulders of God's people because they want to sabotage the idea that righteousness is possible. And so when they do that, because, because another scripture says that you won't enter in, Jesus says this about him, he says, you guys won't enter into the kingdom of God, neither will you allow anybody else to enter in. So they want to keep people from living righteous. They want to keep them by saying, desire sin or just anything sin in general. So they start labeling things mm -hmm. sin that's not truly sin because then it makes people feel like there's no possible way that I could even, you know, be saved. I can't, I, if a thought's sin, if I have a thought, then it, it, it basically makes people want to throw in the towel and just be like, well, mm -hmm. I already had the thought, so might as well do it, mm -hmm. you know? And so it just puts this burden on the mm -hmm. shoulders of people that really want to live righteous and that's why they do it. So once you realize, hey, that's why they're doing it, then you get an understanding. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like this. The reason why Cain killed Abel is because Abel's deeds were righteous and his were evil. So instead of learning from Abel and being like, hey, Abel, you're doing whatever you're doing and you're acceptable before God. Yeah. Hey, I want to follow your example and do the exact same thing. No, let's kill that voice. Let's snuff that voice out so that my conscience can be, you know, feel ease and I don't feel a conviction anymore. And so then they kill that person that is acceptable, just like they did with Jesus. And their conscience may feel 
at ease at that point, but they're still not acceptable to God. Kevin? Your mind is the battleground of the devil. He's going to cast imagination and he's going to attack your mind. That's why it is so important. And what God has been dealing on me, as Brother Don brought up the first thing this morning, was that we need to read God's word. It says, attend to my word. Meditate on it day and night. By the washing of the water of the word, the mind is protected when it's filled with the word of God. Amen. And, and the devil is going to accuse you. And casting off imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bring it to captivity. Look at uh, verse Kevin's talking about. Go to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. A good verse. Um, along with what we're talking about. And, and, and he's, he's right in that. Uh, and I hear folks say that. That, that um, you know they feel that they, um, that they have sinned. If a thought comes to them. An evil thought. And uh, here it talks about that. In 2 Corinthians 10. Paul is saying that though you see me walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. We don't take up arms to fight against things. We pray. We, we, we pull down the strongholds. He says, but, but the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The strongholds, when something enemy comes at you, it's a stronghold to pull it down. And he says, you have this weaponry to stop that. You, you take it, and what, what weaponry is that? That's a weaponry like in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where he says, no temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. When there is temptation, they come at you. But God's faithful. He's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. Now, if God moved his hand out, and you're not in Christ, then you don't have that same protection that you have when God gives that to you. He says, he's not allowing you to. So he, he, you may get the dart, but he's going to give you a way of escape. He said, I will provide a way of escape that you be able to bear it. So all you need to do is take the way of escape. Now, if you take the way of escape, will you sin? No. Even though temptation came at you, it's just like what, what, what uh, Wes said on, in, in Genesis chapter 4 with Cain and Abel. Cain, uh, Abel offered up a sacrifice well-pleasing unto the Lord. He gave his best. Cain's offer, offering was, was, wasn't his best. And, and, and God was pleased in, in Abel's, but not pleased in Cain's. And so Cain became jealous and envious and angry at, at, okay, at Cain, I mean at Abel. And it says here in, in Genesis chapter 4 and uh, verse 6, the Lord talked to Cain. And this is what he said. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is you, why are you, why are your faces all falling down? You know, why, why are you looking like that? If you do well, you'll be accepted. But if you don't do well, sin is lying at your door. It's a temptation. It's coming at you. Yeah. And unto thee shall, shall be his desire. The desire is the enemy, the enemy coming at you to react upon your emotion. What is he telling Cain here? Your emotions have taken, have taken over you. And you're about ready to commit something instead of casting down that imagination. You're, it's being conceived. It says every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own desire and it's conceived. He said, this is about to conceive. You need to stop. So he tells him here, he says, and unto thee shall be his desire and thou shalt rule over him. He said, I mean, you gotta, you gotta rule over that sin. You gotta stop that sin, Kelly. It's interesting that even sin has a desire. 
that desire copulates with your own desire, which then brings forth death. That's right. Amen. Interesting. I never noticed that. All right, back to Second Corinthians ten now. It says, it says here, verse 5, casting down imaginations. What are imaginations? They're thoughts. They're thoughts. Well, if it wasn't a bad thought, why do you need to cast it down? Somebody said, well, you can't, you can't get an evil thought. Well, well, a bad thought is an evil. Bad and evil is the same thing. A bad thought is an evil thought. 